already been saved through grace. And I think so many of us find ourselves in that same spot where you come to know Christ and you understand grace, the concept of grace, you understand it intellectually, you understand it in your heart even, but as you walk with Christ for a while, this whole legalistic thing creeps in and you start to think that you yourself can earn favor with God by your good works. And so maybe if you've ever had the, the thought, maybe if this has been you, if you've ever thought to yourself, uh, I'm going to do this good work so that God will accept me. You may not say it in those words, but deep inside your heart there's this feeling of, I don't feel like I'm right with God, so I need to do something. I need to do something to fix that. I need to do something to, to earn my favor with God. If that's ever been you, that's exactly where the Galatians were. And Paul writes this whole book to blow that whole myth out of the water and to say, look, salvation has always been based on grace. You can never earn your salvation. Even once you're saved, so many Christians try to then still live a life of works in spite of the fact that they know they're only saved by grace. That's the backdrop for the whole book of Galatians. Um, Your first discussion question for us this morning uh, that I want you to discuss is this. Why do so many people fail on the Christian faith. Go ahead and discuss. Okay, I want to hear your feedback. Why, in your opinion, do so many people bail on the Christian faith? Why? Yes. Because they're earthly bound. Okay. What do you mean by that? They're what? Okay, they're tempted by earthly things. What else? Okay, that's really good. She said that they they see it more as a rule thing than a relationship. Good. What else? Yes. Okay, so maybe they came to Christ for the wrong reasons. They came to him thinking that he might make other parts of their life better. Okay, that's good. What else? Okay, that's a really interesting one. All the hypocrisy in the church. So they see so so many people that are two-faced in the church. Many of us would say that we are not that way, but we really are that way. So they see hypocrisy and they don't want any part of it. Okay, that's good. What else? You could probably have a a long, long list of reasons why people bail on the Christian faith. There's one that I think this passage touches on um, that I think really relates to where you guys are at right now in your life. And it's this. I think many people that are your age bail on the Christian faith because something really simple. They see non-Christians having a lot of fun, and they see Christians perceived as sort of the boring crowd, right? And that's a pretty common perspective in the places that you guys carry yourselves, is it not? The places you have to enter every day, whether it's school or sports teams or whatever, there's a perception that the Christians are like the the boring crowd and the non-Christians, the unbelievers, they get to have all the fun, okay? And that's that's the perception that most people have. Now the question is, are, are you one of those people? 
Are you one of those people that you feel like you're on the fence right now? You feel like, I don't know what I believe. I feel like I want to bail on this Christian faith thing. I'm not even really sure what it's even about. I'm not even sure if I want to be a part of it. There's so many pressures that are sort of caving in around you, and you feel like that you can't stand up against that kind of pressure. And believe me, there is nothing worse that's more pressuring than relationships and friendships. In fact, that's where the pressure comes from. It's, it's your desire to be accepted so much by other people that you're willing to sort of cast your beliefs aside or what you say you believe so you can be accepted by peers. I mean, everyone experiences that on some level. So there's this, this, this issue that we all deal with, especially in, in your walk of life. And I think this passage really, really touches on this today. Look at Galatians chapter 6, uh, verses 7 through 10. We're going to look at just three verses today. So if you're someone who just wants to give up, if you're someone who just wants to, to sort of cash in your chips of the Christian faith or just bail on the Christian faith, just check out, this passage I think is going to give you hope. I hope that it gives you hope. Look at uh, Galatians 6, uh, verse 7 and 8. Here's what Paul says. He says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Your next question at your tables is this. How does a life of sin mock God discuss that for a few moments alright give me some input how does a life of sin mock God how is that mocking God what do you think yes That's a really good point. Okay, bad question. Bad question. Okay, let's just say he could be mocked. Let's just pretend, hypothetically. <laughs> Basically, it's going to get to, it's going to get to this in the end. That that in the end, God God's going to have justice, right? God's going to make all things right. But how does how does someone we'll say how do, we'll say this way how does someone attempt to mock God by their sin? How does that even make the attempt? What do you think? Okay. Okay. You're better off sinning than the person who's walking with Christ. Okay. Anyone else? How does it attempt to mock God? We'll say that word. Yes. Just walk, walk in the path that God wants you to walk. Deterring from that and walking your own path is a way that we, we try to mock God. Um, you know, there's one thing that, that stands out to me in this passage when he says, Do not be deceived. 
And I think one of the struggles that, that most of us have, especially at your age, is deception. Is just outright deception. I mean, just, just feeling like, okay, that, that in the end, this thing is going to work out in my favor. If I, even if I reject Christ, that, I mean, he surely can't be the kind of God who would ever send someone to a place called hell, separated from him. He surely wouldn't do that. But what's so funny about the whole hell thing? I hear so many teenagers especially say things like, yeah, a good guy would never do something like that. And they choose to reject Christ and walk their own path. And I've always thought this about hell. I've always thought that the whole idea about hell is it's separation from God. It's eternal separation from God. And so if you think for a minute that, that, that God is, you can reject Christ early in your, in your youth and never come back to him ever again, and he's just going to like force you in eternity to be a part of a relationship with him, God does not force himself on anyone. And so if you've chosen that for yourself in this life, God is simply just going to give you what you want. He's going to give you what you want. And if that's separation from Him, that's what someone will have. And so God, God will, will not be mocked. God will not be made the fool. This, this whole life apart from Christ is rooted in one thing, and it's rooted in deception. Very early on in creation, remember the story of, of Satan uh, tempting Adam and Eve in the garden? That was based on deception. That is, that is his number one game. That is his number one game. A life apart from Christ is rooted in deception. Now, uh, you can probably think of some people in the news recently that have reaped what they've sown, so to speak. Uh, just kind of shout out some responses. Who are some people in the news who have reaped what they've sown, and also who are some people who seem to be getting away with things, uh, things have not caught up to them just yet. Uh, let's do the first one first. Uh, who are some people in the news who have reaped what they've sown? Yes. Yeah, governor of, uh, was it Illinois? Belagovich, whatever his name was. Yes. Uh, how do you pronounce that? I can't even say that. Uh, what's that? Chris. It was Chris, right? Okay. I can't hear you. Oh, Michael Vick. Michael Vick, that's a really good that's a really good example, yes. Yes. Michael Phelps. You might even say he's one of the guys getting away with it a little bit, right? He's kinda off the hook to a certain extent. Drop by Wheaties. You know if Wheaties drops you, then you're like, you know, you're goner. Anybody even eat Wheaties? Why are they still in existence? Clayton? I used to eat Wheaties. Uh, do you want to suggest someone, Davis? Who? Kobe Bryant? Would he be a person who's gotten away with it? Or a person who has reaped what they've sown? Gotten away with it? I'd agree with that. Just Octo Mom? Yes. Man, that lady's crazy. Uh, I'm not sure about her. I'm not sure where she falls into the whole thing. I think I think having eight kids is that's some serious uh reaping there, you know. Um man. Who else? Anyone else you can think of? Britney Spears? T.I., okay. Sure. 
OJ. OJ's chickens came home to roost. He's in jail now. All right. Um, there's a few people I was thinking of. Like one person I thought of was uh, Chris Farley. Got his uh, face up here behind me. You want to see his face? Uh, now I know everyone loves Chris Farley, but I couldn't help but think about this. I mean, here's a guy who did drugs for a long, long time, and finally it, it came back uh, to take his life. I mean, it's a sad, sad story. I forget how old he was. He was probably like my age when he died, around 30 something. And uh, man, look at that face! Wow. Uh, next guy, you may not recognize this next guy, but this is a guy named uh, Drew Peterson who killed a bunch of his wives but then kind of got away with it for a while. Well, now things have come back around where he's reaping what he has sown. The law finally caught up with him, finally. And he's still kind of laughing and mocking the whole deal. This last family is just a sad, sad story, I think. Um, this was in happier times. And, uh, of course, they have eight kids. And this is the one that, of course, is on all the tabloids. I was at the store last night buying some things. There was like eight tabloids with this family or one of the people in the family, the mom or the dad, on the cover. Okay? And I don't know what the story is here, like what actually happened, what didn't happen. But if something did happen, you've got to think that there's been some serious seed planting going on. And now someone is, is reaping the harvest of that kind of stuff of whatever sin took place, if any at all. So there's, there's certain people you can think of in, in celebrity culture, but I want you to get this. Listen, God has built in to the fabric of the universe this principle, reaping and sowing. If you sow a tomato seed, if you put a tomato seed in the ground, what are you going to get? Tomatoes. This is not hard. If you put a piece of a, a corn seed in the ground, what are you going to get? Mushrooms. You're exactly right. You sow tomatoes, you're going to get tomatoes. You sow corn, you're going to get corn. There's not a whole lot of mystery here. It's not like, you know, you go plant corn, you're like, oh, I can't wait to see what comes up. It's going to be a surprise. Like, that doesn't, that's not the way it works. It, it's, it's built into the fabric of the universe, this idea of reaping and sowing. You reap what you sow. In fact, I have a friend uh, back home who um, I've known him most of my life, and, and uh, from a very early age, he just really struggled with sexual purity in various ways. And when he was 16 years old, he was working at a restaurant, and there was a girl who was older than him working also at this restaurant. And she began to kind of put out the vibe with him and sort of, uh, you know, invite him over to her apartment. Once he got his license, he was able to go to, the, to her apartment and just kind of hang out with her. Well, one thing led to another, as you might imagine. They got involved sexually over time. Uh, he broke off the relationship. Uh, then he heard someone say that she might actually have AIDS. I'm serious. He, he lived in fear for three or four years, wondering if he had HIV. Just tormented by this whole idea. He was 16 years old. As time went on, uh, believe it or not, the internet didn't really come around until I was like a junior in high school, and it was hard to believe. I'm really old. But about the time he entered college was when the internet started up, and he struggled immensely with just internet pornography. Later on, he got married. He uh, wanted to become a doctor because his dad told him he never could. Wanted to prove his dad wrong. 
So he worked so hard to become a doctor, but to make something of himself. He got married in college, went to med school, and got into a residency program. Got into his first job as a doctor. And during that first year of being a doctor, his wife got pregnant. They're expecting their first child during that time. And during that time, a woman at work started spending time with him, started uh, saying things to him that you would say to a husband if you were a wife. And he was basically sort of led astray once again into an affair. Destroyed his marriage, destroyed his family, broke his family apart. And right now he's living at home as a 34-year-old man with his parents. He's a doctor. He has no wife. He has no child. All because the seeds of sin were sown at a very early age. And now he's reaping what he has sown. He is reaping the fruit from the tree that he planted. And what's so weird about this thing called sin is that when, when people reap destruction from their sin, they often shake their fist at God and say things like, you know, God, why are you being so harsh with me? Why, why are you judging me? When they're really reaping the seed that they planted. They planted that seed. It's not like God is up there saying, okay, oh, you want to mock me? I'll show you. I'll show you if you want to mock me. They're simply just reaping their own harvest. Your next question for discussion. If you can think back on a time whenever your sin was found out at some point in your life, I'm sure at that moment it felt like God's greatest judgment and wrath had just poured down upon you in that moment. But here, I want to raise a question for you. Is it possible that what seems like God's greatest acts of judgment are really His greatest acts of grace? And how might this be true? Discuss for a few minutes. Okay, give us the feedback. How might this be true? How is it possible that God's, what seems like God's greatest acts of judgment might be an actual act of grace? How? Yes. Okay, good. So like whenever your sin is exposed, it's like God's giving you a second chance, maybe a third chance. Anyone else? Yes. Okay. It could be like he's teaching them a lesson of some kind. Uh, scripture is pretty clear that God, it, said, it says God disciplines those whom he loves. It's like a parent. It's like a parent disciplining. Of course, when you, when you get disciplined, you don't think it's love. You're not like, oh, I know you love me. I'll have this good stuff. You know, it's, 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 that's not how it works, right? You're like, why do you hate me? Bam, you know? So that's what it feels like. But, but in the moment, it, it's very possible that God's greatest, what seems like God's greatest acts of judgment are really His greatest acts of grace. 
God is God loves and cares about you so much that He wants to expose your sin so that you will see your sin and return and repent to, and, and return to Him and repent. Is it possible that He does not want you to keep reaping the harvest that you're sowing for yourself? That He wants you to snap out of your delusion and your deception and, and come back to Him and turn back to Him and repent. We've been talking a lot about these extreme kinds of sins, but this is true of any kind of sin. This whole idea of sowing and reaping. I'll show you what I'm talking about. Uh, if someone that you know, or maybe you yourself, struggles immensely with dishonesty, lying to people, deception, if that is your sin struggle, if you are dishonest in relationships, that's going to lead to broken relationships, which ten years down the line, you're going to find yourself all alone, completely lonely, and you're going to wonder how you got there. And it started way back when you were in junior high or high school with the sin of dishonesty. Lying about people. Lying to your parents. No one can trust you. Do you know a dishonest person is probably one of the hardest people to be in a relationship with? You never know what's real. You never know what's, what's true, what's not true. They could say they love you. You have no idea if they're lying or not. They could say they were over here when they're really over here. There's no trust. Any relationship's got to have trust. If that trust is violated and broken, it's a broken relationship. And you'll find yourself lonely over time. If someone uh, struggles with gossip, talking about someone behind their back, that also can lead to a lack of trust and to loneliness. And I, I know so many people that in their 20s and 30s they have no friends, no relationships because of one of these two kinds of sins. They planted that seed so early on in life and no one ever showed them the error of their ways. And because of of that seed being planted, it grew into a tree that was twisted and contorted and just looks ugly. How about the sin of jealousy? The sin of jealousy, if you plant that seed early in your life, it leads to unhappiness. You feel like you're unsatisfied all the time. Everyone else has what you want. And so because of that seed being planted early on in your life, it leads to unhappiness, it leads to bitterness, it leads to bitterness towards other people, bitterness towards God. So these aren't just sins that are sexual in nature, these are sins that, that, that really go across the continuum of all kinds of sins. And if you think you can get away with a life of sin, your, your sin always finds you out. And it's not that God is being harsh with you when He exposes your sin. He's simply letting you reap the harvest that you planted. And even that might be an act of grace. Look at verse uh, 9. He says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Are you tired of being a Christian? I'll tell you what, like, in high school ministry, it is so amazing to me how many people, even in their youth, they get so tired of being a Christian. And I understand, I've, I've been there, I know what that feels like. But how you respond to that feeling... Is, is huge for the rest of your life. If you're one of those people who just bails 
and rejects your faith, maybe not intellectually, but you bail on the church, you bail on surrounding yourself with other Christians that are like-minded, if you bail on that whole idea, you're playing a seed. They could grow into something really ugly later on in your life. You're planting a seed. Are you tired of following Christ? I mean, are you already tired? Does does the idea of living the rest of your life for Christ sound like just the the most boring thing to you? Are, Are you tired of following Christ? Are you weary? Maybe you're someone who's doing all the right things. In your life right now, you're, you're doing the stuff that is supposed to help you grow, but, but you haven't seen the results. Maybe your friendships are still in disarray. Maybe your own spiritual walk still feels like it's in disarray. Maybe you haven't seen the results that you're expecting. If that's you, I want, I want you to let Paul's words sink in here for a minute. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. You know, if a seed, if a seed sits on the ground long enough, over time, it's going to take root. Over time, it's going to take root, it's going to grow, it's going to blossom, it's going to produce fruit. If that's you, I want you to, to take what, Paul's, what, what, what Paul is saying here, let it sink in. Let it sink in. Keep pressing on. Don't give up. Don't let yourself become weary and reject your faith. Reject the church because of it. Keep pressing on. Don't give up. For you guys that are freshmen, that are new freshmen, guys, you're going to be tempted beyond measure. You will be tempted beyond measure. This coming year, this summer, this coming year. I see a pattern uh, in, our, in our kids here. The summer after their sophomore year is usually the make or break summer for a lot of kids in this youth group. I can predict that kid who's a sophomore will not be back in the fall. Chances are pretty good. That girl, really good chance she won't be here in four years. Really good chance she will have grown weary. She'll reject her faith, reject the church. She'll start planting seeds that are going to lead to something really bad later on. So for you freshmen, you will be tempted, believe me, to give up on a lot of things this year and in the coming years. My encouragement to you is the same encouragement that Paul gives us. That is, do not become weary. Do not become weary in your Christian walk. These, these words give us hope. These words give us hope. There's two things I want you to take from this passage One is, if you reject Christ, you will reap destruction. There is no mystery here. Just like I said, when you plant some corn, you're going to get corn. If you reject Christ, you will reap destruction. You might get away with it for a while. But eventually, at the end of your life, you'll reap broken relationships, broken marriages, broken friendships. Broken relationship with God is the one that is most important, the one that's going to hurt the most. If you reject Christ, you're at destruction. Secondly, the fruit of following Christ may come slowly, but it will come. It will come. It will come eventually. You know, guys, I don't want to say this. Uh, I'm not trying to sound like arrogant or self-righteous. I really debate if I should even say this. I don't want it to sound a certain way. But anything I've ever done in my life 
is only because of the grace of God. That's the only thing that I can give it give credit to. It's not me. Because I know that I'm a, I'm a wicked, twisted sinner. That's who I am. But I, I was thinking back on my life as I was looking at this, this passage. And I was asking the question, what could my life have been like if I had sowed different kinds of seeds growing up? In other words, like when I was in a relationship with a girl my sophomore year, and she was pushing the envelope physically, and I broke up with her. What if I hadn't broken up with her? What if I had stayed in the relationship? What would my life look like now? If, if I hadn't been like involved and been discipled by other men in my life, if I hadn't really been pursued by my youth pastor, if I wasn't in a Christian family that brought me up to follow Christ, what would my life look like right now? Like, it's a scary thought. It's a scary thought. And it, it really helps me understand the grace of God because I could have been born somewhere totally different, different family, different church, and yet God in His grace for some reason allowed me to be born where I was, the family that I had, the friends that I had, the youth, the youth pastor that I had. And I praise God that those seeds that were planted early on grew into something that, that I'm really happy with today. I'm still a sinner beyond measure. But God in His grace has allowed me to have an amazing wife, an amazing family, an amazing church, an amazing youth group with you guys. And I think it's incredible. But where would, where would I be today if those things hadn't been done? Because you're at this pivotal point right now where these seeds are being planted right now. And you know what they are. You know what they are. And the question is, are you going to grow weary? Are you going to grow weary? I want you guys to go ahead and pray uh, at your tables. Just whoever leader you have at the table, just go ahead and close in prayer and just pray for the guys or girls at your tables and we'll be dismissed. Love you guys.